Blog Talk Radio. And I have moss, lots and lots of moss. I love moss, 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 moss. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. It's the world-famous Urban Jungles Radio. With your hosts, Danny Mendez and Andy V. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. 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 We're JJ Fat and we're here to rock. Rhymes like ours can never be stopped. See, it's three of us and I know we're fresh. Party rockers, non stoppers, and our names are deaf. See, the J is for just, the other for jamming. The F is for fresh A N D deaf. Behind the turntables is DJ Train. Mixing and scratching is the name of the game. Now, here's a little something about nosy people. It's not real hard, it's plain and simple. Baby, I have moss, lots and lots of moss. I love moss, 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 moss. Super Sonic. Supersonic motivating rhymes are creating And everybody knows that JJ Fad's devastating We know you like us, girl, so you better get sterile Cause we are the home chicks that are rocking your world Supersonic 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 is a word when people start to listen Hit it. <laughs> the best part is when the chick laughs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, no, watch. Just watch. Okay. Fat is just too clean. Now, baby, don't you 
may contain mature subject matter and extreme awesomeness. Listen at your own risk. Attention, jungle junkies and new listeners worldwide. It's time for the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. It's the Urban Jungles Radio Show. With your host, Danny Mendez, the Beastmaster, and Andy V. Prepare to enter a new stream of consciousness, higher level of awareness, and an overabundance of awesomeness. Streaming live at the speed of light from the worldwide interwebs, straight to your brain's core. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. Well, this is interesting. I don't, uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, apparently, no one can hear us. I don't know what's going on. Seems to be having some sort of technical difficulty. Oh, okay. So apparently, I can be heard, but Danny cannot be. Not sure what's going on, but uh, I'm just going to keep the uh, show going. Hopefully, uh, Danny can hear something on his end. If not, uh, I guess it'll just be me tonight. So uh, tonight we've got a very special show. It's going to be a nice, relaxing show. Got some uh, time away with my family, so I will be uh, not in the studio tonight. So I am calling through Skype. Um, got uh, Emma. Our wonderful Emma Locke, UK correspondent. Um, she's going to brief us on some uh, events that have been happening in the UK regarding uh, uh, fox hunts in Britain. Um, then we're also going to catch up with uh, the fantastic Bill and Kathy Love. I remember a couple uh, months ago, Danny had the opportunity to uh, go out to Arizona to hang out with uh, Bill and Kathy. And um, we only heard a little bit uh, of his uh, trip, so I think he's going to... Uh, regale us with some more information. <laughs> I fucking hate you, blog talk. I really, really Oh, do. there you are, my friend. <laughs> I, I know that you're there, and I have you on. And blog talk is like, oh, come on, try our new sexy hi-fi connection option. Blah, blah, blah. Well, fuck you, it doesn't work. It kicks you off two seconds before you're about to start your goddamn show. I'm sick and tired of you, blog. Yeah, anyway, hi, Jungle Junkies. 
How are you? <laughs> Hi, Andy. How are you? <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm good, my friend. How are you tonight? I've been better. I don't know if this is going to kick me off again at any point in time because that seems to be the trend. I don't know. I'll I'll try to keep it together here, but um, <laughs> I can't. I can only laugh. I can only laugh. That was such a well orchestrated three minutes of dead air and silence. But what yeah, that hasn't happened for for quite some time. It's it, I, fucking they do this, man. When they try to like switch and and whatever. Anyway, you guys in the chat room, thank you. Um, I'm guiding myself by you because um, obviously Andy is not in studio with me this evening, <laughs> and uh, I don't even know when I'm broadcasting or not at some at this point. So um, we had a couple. Know. We had a couple uh, about a minute or two of some awesome dead air. So I was trying to fill in what I could. Um, yeah, if you hear me go off, Andy, just fill in and then I'll try to reconnect. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why it's booting me. Like, as far as I know, everything is legit, but you know, say that V. Anyway, welcome, Moss lovers and <laughs> supersonic <laughs> jungle junkies alike. Um, yeah, I'm, I was your human beatboxing beast master, and, and, and that is, of course, my wingman, Andy, to the V. And, and Andy, you may be a little late, but but that's okay, because when you cut to the beat, it sounds this way. <laughs> Why are you Dude, laughing? I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that song since I was fucking, uh, I don't know, 12. JJ Fad, man. And I know you're loving JJ Fad out there. You people will all bounce into it. I can see you. I can see you on the interwebs. See what you don't know when you listen to Urban Jungles. I can watch you back. I see you dancing. I see you neck popping out there. I see you all. Anyway, welcome. Welcome to All That Is Urban Jungles Radio. As we bring you uh, episode number 1131. I don't know. Um, this evening, I present to you, our jungle junkies, a moment in herpetological history as I share with you a portion of my interview with reptile breeding pioneers and renowned photographer uh, Bill and uh, Kathy Love. They, they've been iconic Floridians for so many years, and they recently made the move to the deserts of Arizona, where they're kind enough to, uh, they were kind enough to invite me into their home. And I want to share with you guys this interview, because I think it's really important to understand the, the mindset of some of the pioneers of the reptile breeding and, and you know, knowledge-based world out there. So, you know, it's important that you guys listen up and, and, and learn, learn, learn your history. It goes for you too, Andy. I, I always try to learn as much as I possibly can. <laughs> good, good. Sometimes it doesn't take, but you know. <laughs> it, it, as long as we try, as long as we try, that's, mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Um, but first, we this evening, we will be writing the transatlantic interwebs to deliver you some awesomeness direct from the UK in the form of Emma Locke dropping by to fill us in on some fox-worthy news, I guess we could say. Um, mm -hmm. That will be coming up in just a few minutes. So you may, um, yeah, you might have heard Emma on, on today's intro as well as she professes her love for Moss kind of unapologetically. And uh, it's okay because we love her anyway. So it's all good. <laughs> How you doing this evening, Andy? I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. I'm down in Virginia at uh, my brother's house. So it's, Nice, nice change of pace. You chilling in VA? Are you alone or like other people around you? Right now, I'm alone. Okay. 
I'm alone. Michael's, uh, my brother's doing shit with his wife and my wife and uh, his kids, so. Like tactical training? Yes, tactical training. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, uh, tomorrow I plan on taking my brother out into the park and uh, trying to do some hiking with him, so. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not sure how well that's going to go because he's not much of a, of a nature type of person, but he always finds places to live that are very nature-y, which is, which is really weird. Nature is good, especially this this time of year. So, you know, yeah. th- we we missed each other by a couple of days. Speaking of getting out this time of year, um, but a couple of days by a couple of hours, I should say, over at the White Plains Reptile Expo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. How how was that for you, Andy? Well, unfortunately, you know, it's it's always a quick in and out for me. Um, I hate to say that because I, I like going to that show because uh, most times they have some pretty pretty good and unique stuff. Um, this time was no exception, but I wish I was able to spend a little bit more time. Um, but I enjoyed myself. I saw a couple of things, but I was uh, I was very restrained this time around. Very restrained. I only, I only picked up one mantis. So good on you. Good on me. I'm, I'm finding that I'm I'm being attracted more and more to the mantises because there's one vendor in particular who has such a, a great variety of stuff, and I'm always mm-hmm. enamored. By, uh, by his stand, so I, I tend to spend a little bit more time there than I should. Good stuff. Um, yes. See, I, I didn't have that great of an experience. I don't know. I, I'm sure you might have seen something you talked about it earlier on Facebook. Yeah, I, I, um, I, saw, I saw a little posting. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's just, you know, I don't know. I just have the sinking feeling about, you know, this show and so many other of these, these regional shows that, um, are now seem to be happening with increased frequency. Like they're just often, and I don't know, it just, it was tough for me to walk around and like just see, you know, a lot of stuff going down and feeling okay about it, you know? Like, I don't know, I didn't feel okay sitting there walking around, seeing all the, you know, disposable stuff. And I don't know if it's just a point of, a point that I'm in, I'm trying, I'm trying not to sneeze. I'm not getting emotional, people. I'm just trying not to sneeze. Um, I don't know if it's just like the point in time in my life that I'm in now where I'm like kind of jaded about it and stuff, but I don't know. It just becomes increasingly hard for me. And at these shows where they're becoming increasingly like frequent, I think the vendors, you know, are now like just starting to get shit just to fill up like a table. And you see like the same things, you know, and aside from, you know, the ball python thing alone, which in itself is a tragedy. Um, I mean, did you see the post that I put up about the ball python bin? I, I did. I I don't disagree with that, that you, at all. Did you I didn't see, see the it? bin itself, but I saw your posting. Yeah. Well, it was like you walk in and there's this this bin. It was like filled, you know, a, a decent amount of snakes deep, and it had a sign on it. It was like handwritten, and it was like fifty dollars mix and match for like, and they were all like visible morphs, like little spidery, stripey, like yellowy things, whatever. And they're all. It looked like you know, like one of those like scenes from the Indiana Jones movie where it was uh, just like all these snakes thrown in and they're all writhing over each other. And it was just, it just really affected me. It bugged me. And it's not something I haven't seen before probably, but it was just, it was really depressing to see the snakes that so many people were scrambling for or like wanting to have as a part of their collection kind of being mm-hmm. almost discarded as, you know, their their oh. value goes down and and it was and i know it's the the wave and the cycle and the way it is but it's like after a while i have to just stop and sit there and 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 just think is like is this okay like why is this okay 
Well, I, I know this is this the topic we've uh, we've touched on numerous times, and um, you know I, I do agree with you in that the, the the local shows, especially for us, they happen. You know, it seems like every two months or so, and yeah, you know, I, I guess as a, as a, a vendor, it's difficult to try and keep people coming back to your table to see your wares or see what you got available. So I guess people are, are trying every gimmick for lack of a better term to get people to, to come to their table. And I guess from the, the um, promoter standpoint, they're just trying to get people through that door. So, you know, with them having it so frequently, they're trying to get different vendors or maybe not as high quality as vendors as they used to have or, or the variety that I think, and I'm sure you feel the same that, that they should have because constantly seeing the same stuff over and over again, whether it's from a different vendor or from the same vendor, you know, two months ago we, we saw so-and-so that had, you know, these corn snakes or these, or these uh, king snakes out and they still have the same exact ones out and they're still the same price, you know, cheap, disposable, and no one's really looking at them. No one's, no one's paying attention. So they're just walking by and then, you know, you've got other people that are bringing in, excuse me for saying this, but fresh imports that like essentially have come right from the airport the day before. And it's just a shame that we're treating uh, all these animals as such, I guess, garbage because they're so disposable. No one's no one's taking the time to to quarantine, or no one's taking the time to set them up, or or you know make sure that the animals are healthy before they they put them out for sale. You know. And, and you know, people are like, don't say this out, you know, don't post about this because you're going to give ammo to the AR groups. Like, realistically, all the AR groups have to do is walk into one of these shows and they will see enough. They will see enough on their own account that it really doesn't yep. matter what I or anybody else from the inside says at this point. Like, it's oh. pretty fucking horrible. And, and the disposable pet thing, you know, I saw the ball python thing. I saw that, like, you know, I can't even tell you how many people were out there buying iguanas that were like at $15 a piece, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, to a, a couple people on online the other day, you know, our, our friends from from Ohio, and uh, you know, they they talk about iguanas that are being sold. I shouldn't even say that are that are being used as as um, prizes at at local fairs. They have the iguanas in like ten fifteen wow. gallon tanks that are just climbing on top of each other, and I can I can you know be disgusted by that in the same way that. In our area, the the Renaissance fairs, there's always that one guy who has a knolls that are labeled as baby dragons, and I he just he constantly sells them. You, you know who I'm talking about, and I know he constantly is. just sells them. You know, it's just the same. At what point, though? You know, do we start doing something ourselves before somebody else does? That's the part that worries me. Unfortunately, anyway. I don't. I'm not sure if you know anything can be done because it's so ingrained within the system that that's the norm you know but why like and and what is the norm like what's like the most long-standing thing in this hobby in years like in fucking hobby years like dog years like you know five years how many people have had an animal for five years the same animal like it's mm. such a fucking like flash in the pan type of thing and it, it shouldn't be that way and we're just destroying ourselves with this shit man just destroying ourselves because at any moment some jackass is going to run an expose or whatever, and it's going to run like wildfire, and the legislation is going to come down so quick and so hard, and we're going to be sitting there scratching our heads and wondering. I mean, look at this shit now. Like, the legislation that's going on now on, you know, these bans for snakes interstate mm-hmm. and shit like that, that's literally being, like, lobbed over our heads like like a game of, of, of what's the game with the little feathery fucking ball. Um, Yahtzee, oh no. 
<laughs> Come on, Andy. The game with the little feathery ball that you play at the beach. You can't let it. With a, with a, with a, it's called a shuttle, and it's uh, badminton. Badminton, thank you. So it's like a game of badminton. Like you're like lobbing it up in the air, and we still can't shoot it down. Like this is going to be a quick fucking like McEnroe pitch. And can you pitch whatever, sir? I was so not a sports. Oh, my God. Home run. Go. <laughs> <laughs> go, my local sports team. Go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, like it, it it's just ah, oh, it's frustrating to me. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I might have seen my last like local area show, and I think I, I just want to support the big ones that are out there wanting to raise the bar and, and keep quality up because like I don't identify you know, with this part of it, you know. And it's, it's depressing. I, I'll, I'll, I, I think in, for me personally, I'm still going to continue to support the show. I may not go as often as the shows are on. Maybe I'll go. Mm-hmm twice, maybe three times a year, just so, you know, at, at certain times, because I know that certain times of the year, some vendors are going to have different things available depending on the season, you know, like now that I found this, you know, this invert guy that has the mantids, I'll probably go back next time and see what else he has available to them. But I know he grows them himself, you know, he, he's not, he's not, you know, exporting. Homegrown mantis. <laughs> exactly, dude, exactly. So, you know, I don't mind for something like that. I don't mind because it's different. You know, that's why I think I, I keep leaning more towards the inverts. You go in, you think, out of the, you, you think outside they're... of that, that invert box. I'm, I'm trying, man. I, I'm trying to do something, man. I, I'm tired of seeing corn snakes and ball pythons and, you know, uh, baby Burmese and, and crested geckos and leopard geckos and this and that. It's, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. It's becoming milk toast, man. And that's... What Andy has to say. This is a journey into sound. I'm Marty Stauffer, and you're listening to Urban Jungles Radio with Danny and Andy. Those motherfuckers think they know every fucking thing there is to know. Urban Jungles Radio. Urban 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 Jungles Radio. 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 Urban Urban Jungles Radio. Those motherfuckers think they know every fucking thing there is to know. Shouts to Hurricane Jen Green is out there. One of yep. the, uh, I'm totally jealous she's going to the Super Show tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Jen Green, man. You got to you know, work. I just say, dude, I, this week would have been a, a fantastic week to have been out there. Yeah. This past weekend, dude, this past weekend was San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest Comic-Con of the weekend. Uh, and and, and this yeah. weekend is a Super Show, man. Come on. Don't depress me. Don't depress me. We, 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 we need to be there. Jen Green, your mission is you need to get us at the Super Show, Jen. Well, we, will, we, will wear, we will wear We Love Jen Green t-shirts under our UGR garment. We no, I'm going to wear uh, I Love Jen Green on top of my UJR garment. I will put it on my forehead. Wear, yeah, I will write it on my arm. Like soy bomb. Remember that dude? Anyway. Yes, soy bomb. <laughs> I'll totally do that. I'll totally run behind Barcheck with a I heart Jen Green on my chest. 
<laughs> Done. Jen Green, make it happen. We'll hold up our end of the bargain. You know how we roll. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this evening we have a wonderful treat for you, our jungle junkies. Coming to you from the magical lands of the Brits. This evening we have the one and only Emma Locke broadcasting directly from a small fox den in a secluded part of London under an old tree. Foxhole. <laughs> I guess that means something different, huh? Anyway, at least in Thailand. Emma visits us tonight to speak of an unimaginable act of cruelty that was recently um, considered, or I should say reconsidered for legislation in the UK. And as always, it's a special night when the amazing Emma Locke graces us with her presence and sexy accent to tell us something that's ecologically important. So listen, people, it's real. Let's not dilly dally, shall we, Andy? That's not. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. What's not? <laughs> So I'm here with the one and amazing Emma Locke coming to us straight from the UK. And Emma, you have some interesting news for us in the way of our beloved foxes. Yeah, well, you see, I feel like I've been a pretty awful correspondent the last couple of months. So I thought I'd just give you an update on something which is obviously very close to my heart, which is foxes and the plight of foxes, especially the way that they're viewed as vermin. Now, I don't know if you really keep up to date with it over in the States, but um, back here, we've had um, a real triumph in Britain in fending off a fox hunting repeal. Um, have you heard anything at all about this repeal? I heard recently that there was some kind of legislation that came up and I only heard of it because of the vast amount of protesting that was going on against it. But please, I, I know nothing. I'm a Yankee film in. <laughs> okay, well, um, over here, fox hunting uh, was a very, very traditional sport um, up until 2005, where it was outlawed. And it was mostly for the upper class. Obviously, we have this very strange class system. And it was the upper class, i.e. the very wealthy, who would get together in sort of hunting parties. And they'd go on horseback with their little trumpets and using packs of 30 to 40, at least typically 30 to 40 foxhounds to track foxes run them down, uh, flush them out of their dens and kill them. Um, now, obviously, that to us seems very um, medieval nowadays for the most part. Mm -hmm. But there are still a few people out there who believe that it's a very traditional sport and that it is important to the British countryside and the British country heritage. So, you know, as I said, back in 2005, um, the, the hunting of foxes using foxhounds and large packs of dogs was completely outlawed. And that was to the outrage of the upper class. They were, like, they were, they were so vocal over this. And um, it was, it's really been uh, their thing to try and bring it back. Every year, there's more and more people pushing for it to be brought back. And the way they want it to be brought back is by saying that it is for pest control. Because obviously, foxes are viewed as vermin and as pests because people believe that they'll go into farmers' uh, fields and take out a whole load of chickens, even though in, in all reality, they I think they only account for about 2% of chicken deaths throughout the UK, and that, that's foxes for you. I mean, they're not going to take that many. It's mostly the sick ones and, and improperly housed 
caged uh, chickens as well. Um, so yes, the 2005 hunting ban of the packs of dogs left uh, farmers with the only option of getting rid of foxes either through uh, shooting or being allowed using one or two dogs to flush them out. No more than one or two dogs, uh, typically collies and uh, a smaller dog, something like a, like a terrier that would go down into the burrows and be able to flush them out into the dens. Um, but recently, David Cameron, who is our prime minister, for those of you who aren't to date on UK politics, uh, he tried to sneak back fox hunting um, by saying that he wanted it to be obviously pest control and that would allow the upper class to uh, use their packs of dogs and be all traditional and go out on the hunt. Now, most people, um, when this first came through, they thought it wouldn't be a big deal because to us it, it's been 10 years since it was outlawed and that seems like a very... Uh, very good thing. But um, unfortunately, there's a lot of greasing of the palm that happens in Parliament. I'm sure you have it over there in the government as well, where maybe a couple of wealthy people want to have things brought back in and they're not afraid to use their money to throw their weight around. Um, but a lot of people rose up this time, which was so amazing, and they said it was nonsense. There was a huge... Um, eight out of 10 majority of people who didn't want this to come back in, despite the very best efforts of David Cameron to try and get it through the back door. Um, now, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that it's a very, very ineffective way to control the fox population, if, in, if indeed it even needs any control. Because, you know, 75,000 foxes are killed on British roads alone every year. And that's a low estimate, a really low estimate. So it's not as though, you know, the country Fox are going to be doing that much if they're going to be, you know, 75,000 of them wiped out every single year just in, you know, road traffic accidents. Uh, but the the wealthy people, the people who like to do these these hunts, um, and I have to stress, it is the, the minority of people because the majority, you know, 8 to 10 in Britain think it's horrible, but they argued that the lack of fox hunting, not only does it damage our heritage, but it leaves fox, uh, fox hounds with no purpose. Which to me just sounds a bit ridiculous because I don't I don't know if you've heard about this, but foxhounds when they're used, a lot of them uh, don't even have the instinct to kill a fox. They can track; they're phenomenal. But when they find the fox, they don't know what to do with it. And a few times it's been reported that um, that sort of typically the the hunt masters will drag the foxes out and then throw it to the hounds. It's not even a fair fight. And that, that way, typically, the foxes will then, you know, be ripped to shreds. Um, but, you know, ultimately, the fox is given to the dogs by the hunters. There's nothing natural um, about it. And what's so phenomenal about what's gone on the last couple of weeks with this repeal is that Parliament... Parliament has had to stand down from the repeal because of the huge support against reintroducing fox hunting with dog packs. And it was just seen as a massive embarrassment. And of course, this was in no short part uh, the, the success of banning the repeal to Brian May, obviously, you know, the guitarist for Queen. He was also very vocal about the uh, the badger calls that have been going on. And he was very successful in fronting a peaceful demonstration to have the repeal denied. Um, uh, do you guys even have uh, fox hunting in America? No, 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 no. Really? Okay, because I did a little bit of, um, of of digging to see if you did. And uh, apparently it's not very well known out there. It's mostly people who want to protect their livestock from problematic foxes and foxes who keep revisiting uh, their farms and picking off chickens. But the great thing about 
American fox hunting is that uh, the law states, I believe, at least this was right, I think in 2009, that the dogs which are used for hunting in America, foxes, must leave the fox alone if it is to dive underground. Whereas in England, small terriers obviously will flush them out for the kill. And um, I just thought that was really nice, actually. You know, it's, it's a fair fight that way. If the fox manages to get away, that's great. But there is no joy or glory in actually, you know, yanking out a fox from its den and then, you know, ripping it to shreds. Um, actually, I did a little bit more digging and apparently George Washington and Theodore Roosevelt both kept packs as a foxhounds. Nice. Nice. Yeah, a little bit of trivia there for you in case you didn't know, you know, you with your inferior Yankee brain, Danny. <laughs> I joke, I joke. Um, but yeah, the the other thing that was so amazing about this was um, there was a man called Clifford Pello this week who came out. He's a 72-year-old man from South Wales and um, he spent 23 years of his life um, really being at the forefront of British fox hunting um, and he typically averaged around 2,000 foxes a year which is you know quite an astonishing amount um, and he actually came out and and spoke against the the fox wow. uh, hunting repeal he spoke against it despite having spent so many years being an avid fox hunter himself i've got a couple of quotes here which were just phenomenal um because it's so brutal he said we tied them up by their back legs and dragged them across the fields to get the scent it was absolutely disgusting in the end i got sick of all the gross cruelty and all the killing there were other times when foxes were brought from somewhere else so they didn't know where they were this meant they ran with their heads up it's absolute nonsense and lies to say that hunting has anything to do with controlling the pest in the countryside when i worked on a farm it was more effective to flush foxes out with two sheepdogs than a pack of 30 dogs. The hunting fraternity, and that's a good word to use for it, the hunting fraternity have a lot of excuses for hunting, but not one justification. The only justification is to kill something at the end of the day. And the reason why I wanted to wrap up with that is because it's someone who has had their mind changed despite doing this. And it kind of throws me back to um, to Jackie Bibby, of course, who you met, uh, well, we both met, and a couple of us, you know, Bonnie and Don and uh, Kelly as well, also met at the Texas Rattlesnake Festival this year, the way that, you know, he's been a very big supporter of the Rattlesnake Roundups, but has actually in some ways changed his mind towards being more educational and preserving rattlesnakes, which I thought was really, really key because we're seeing more and more of that increasingly with, you know, older generations and as well with the younger generations, they're taking so much more of an interest. Now, uh, Danny, you know this, but for anyone who doesn't, obviously, you know, I do a lot of work with the Mobile Menagerie UK, uh, taking exotic animals to school schools and talking about the plights of various exotic animals, uh, the loss of habitat, and um, also the illegal pet trade as well. And in schools, children, really young children, the last couple of weeks over here in Britain, were actually raising hands, stopping us during shows and talking about this fox repeal and saying how unjust it was. And this was out of the blue. So children are actually listening to the news and thinking about things using their brains. And they were asking questions. Do foxes eat babies? Uh, don't too many foxes die on the roads already? Why don't we just stop leaving our rubbish out? And I just thought that was great news for animals all over the world, whether it's Britain or America or the Far East, everywhere, the children starting to pay attention. I truly believe that. And it's just fantastic, fantastic news for animals in the long run, especially that they're taking interest
interest over here in the UK of their own native wildlife because it gets neglected. I don't know if you have that same problem in America, but over here, native wildlife is completely forgotten because it's not seen as exotic enough or interesting enough. But it is every bit just as important. And I can't stress that enough because honestly, a love and appreciation for animals, it does have to start at home. And what better way than just looking outside and seeing what actually lives naturally in your environment? And what cooler and animals, cool animals are foxes? Hmm. I know, it's like my favorite animal. As you know, I like to walk around in my fox onesie. I will do it with pride. I love my foxes. I like to watch them out the window. Um, sadly, uh, one of my vixens who I was um, sort of uh, doing some research on a couple of weeks ago got hit by a car, which oh, was, yeah. you know, just goes to validate the point that you don't need to control the population because the cars are kind of doing it for us. And they do it themselves very well, actually. They do, they do, they do. They do. Well, that's, well, that's really great really news great coming, news out, of coming out of Britain. Britain. And well and done, well everyone, done over everyone over there. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Yeah, it was uh, literally just to tell you, you know, a little bit of something good that's going on. It doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. And obviously, we need to keep this relationship between Britain and America alive as well. And, you know, I'm sorry that I've been a terrible correspondent. I will try and get back on, on it. I will try. I will jump on it. <laughs> All right, thank you. Emelok. Good up, Emelok. Yay, Emma. Okay, you're still here. I didn't know if you were still here or not. Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> I didn't know if you checked out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, no, I, I mean I forcefully would never check by, out. No, no, I mean forcefully by blog talk, not... Oh, I got you. I got you. I would never, I would never check out on uh, on the lovely Emma. Well, good stuff with Emma, um, and and it's a shame. Such iconic animals. It is. It's it's true. She likened it a lot to our rattlesnake situation, and it is very much so. These are iconic animals in our country, and they get completely disrespected. And then you know now you're seeing these people who used to actively engage in hunting these animals or, you know, directly mm -hmm. resulting in their deaths. And now these people are even speaking out. They're like, this is bad. It's no yeah. good. So, it, it, always, it sucks, man, because everyone, you, know, you get to a point and it's like, now it's too late. And it's it just, I hope it never comes to that point for foxes or for rattlesnakes. But I, I, I think, you know, it may. It's a changing world out there, Andy. It's a changing world. Anyway, onward and forward, Jungle Junkies. Um, earlier this year, I had the distinct pleasure of visiting with Bill and Kathy Love in their new home in Arizona. Andy, you were very mm. jealous, weren't you? Oh, extremely. Extremely. <laughs> um, as, as many of you may know, Bill and Kathy are iconic Floridians. So in tonight's interview, they'll share with us what it was like to make that kind of transition, especially later on in life, um, along the way you'll get to hear from some of the most iconic figures in herpetoculture, because as I said earlier, I fear that as time goes on, many of the newer folks are really going to be missing out on learning about some of the, the fundamentals and the history of 
this wonderful love of reptiles that we all kind of share with a really select group of people. You know, the internet kind of lulls you into this false sense of, you know, you can join a reptile group and there's like 5,000 members and stuff. But realistically, around the globe, there's not many of us. There's not many of us who understand reptiles and there's not many of us who stick with it for life or who make it a lifestyle. I mean, those crazy nutters that are our friends out there are very far and few in between. So like, we, we have to learn to appreciate these people. And Bill and Kathy Love, I mean, for those of you who... Are, are a bit newer, a bit more wet behind the ears, per se, um, a bit more moist behind the ears. <laughs> I just like that word, moist. <laughs> anyway, um, for those of us who have ear moisture, um, we, we have heard the name Bill and Kathy Love, but do you really know? Do you really know who these people are? Andy, do you really know who these people are? I know who they are, but I'm not sure I can ever really know who they are. Do you really? And that's why Urban Jungles Radio is here. And that's why you, my jungle junkies, benefit because you will really, really know. You will sit down right now with Bill and Kathy in their snake and rodent room as they go about their business, milling around, doing work, you know, feeding and cleaning snakes and feeding clean rodents and talking about production and talking about life as it has changed. You are going to have that front row seat, ladies and gentlemen. Andy, are you ready for this? I'm waiting. I'm waiting with bated breath. Let's get to it. God damn it. It's Bill and Kathy Love, everybody. I've been to New York City several times, (laughs) and each time I get there, I think, okay, uh, how long are we going to be here? (laughs) It's not my kind of place. (laughs) It just—it makes me nervous. We now now live at the edge of the either fifth or sixth largest city in the United States. I've never lived this close to a giant city in my life. And it's nice having all that convenience close by, but but not far enough away, right? Where it's comfortable. So, like, what's the herping community out here like? I know you guys knew everyone in Florida. Yeah, we've gotten to meet most of them here, <laughs> and we're both uh, uh, we're both the officers of the local herp society. Oh, nice. In Phoenix. Bill's a sergeant of arms. He has to throw people out. Nice. <laughs> you got to throw people out and kick them out, Bill. <laughs> uh, he, has, he collects the money for the meat and and stuff. They give you weapons. <laughs> I'm just a member at large, so. But, you know, so we've gotten to know people, plus we've gotten to know some people who aren't really involved much. Uh, the big difference between the herpers in uh, Florida and here is so many more of them out here are into field herping compared to Florida. And, I mean, there are some in Florida, too, of course. But in Florida, a much higher percentage seem to be involved in the captive keeping compared to out here. And we have our share of keepers and breeders, of course, but, but a lot more people like to get out in the field and it's... It's so beautiful and diverse out here with all these mountains and each mountain range has its own mm-hmm. little niche population of speckled rattlesnake or chuck wall or whatever that varies a little bit. And the guys who are really good at it can say, oh, I, I know where that speckle came from. And that's kind of funny. It makes it interesting. A lot, a lot of these ranges haven't even been explored yet. It, it, you're thinking, oh, come on, all these herpers out here. A lot of them have never been into them. They don't even know exactly which ones might still have Willard eye or Price eye or Lepidus in them. And it's very clicky with the herpers here. Like they all have their spots, and they'll learn off of each other's spots and oh, kind of yeah. gravitate outwards from but there. But they are much more protective of their places than people in Florida. They're, 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 yeah. They jealously guard these things, and they and like they really jump on somebody if they talk. If they narrow down their, their place, I mean, the general rule of thumb seems to be like don't go smaller than a county, or in the case out here, a mountain range. But don't narrow it down any more than that. Don't don't tell them about the little road that goes into the to the northeast corner of that range, you know, and that's how you get in there. So let's take the Jersey Pinebacks. 
I suppose, yeah. It, but but it, these these ranges, of course, are even smaller right. in general. So and a lot higher percentage of herpers out here who do keep captive stuff are into <laughs> native keeping, whereas in Florida you have a lot higher percentage of people who are into keeping, uh, you know, morphs and and uh, exotics and things like that. Are the people in charge of permitting? I'm assuming is fish and wildlife here. Yeah, um, zone of fish and game. Are, are they? pretty lenient or I should say supportive of the herp community as a whole because I think that's kind of a, I would think that's kind of a gray area we have this kind of herping now where people are doing more native collecting um, I would imagine I mean yeah well it does force you to sort of concentrate on the natives more and uh, you know there are protections on certain species are protected fully and some are predicted with bag limits per day or per, per year uh, well I, I found fish and game out here to be great people but they've got this kind of long-standing reputation uh, from going back in the 60s and 70s when they were first coming out and chasing some of these little Montana rattlesnakes and stuff. And you would hear about, oh, the guys from California are out here raping and plundering our snakes. And they're, they're bringing their hydraulic jacks and pry bars and they've destroyed the mountains. And it's like, oh, come on. You know, I'm sure that a few places have been hit hard. And Fish and Game really jumped on those people. And... Uh, I've met some, I have friends out here to this day are like terrified of fish and game. And I mean, I come from Florida where we used to cooperate with fish and game all the time. And they were, they were happy to deal with us and listen to us and understand what we needed. And I, I find the people out here to be very much like that. But a lot of the older herpers seem to be like, oh, like, oh they'll, they'll just tell, tell you what you want to hear. And like, watch out, they're going to try to bust yeah. you now. And I think there was probably that mentality, that, that, that cop mentality more prevalent back in the 70s and stuff but uh the guys i see now seem like intelligent interesting people and they seem willing to work with us and they want to know learn about what we're learning about because i mean obviously all these all of us herpers are getting out in these little nooks and crannies of the state that they don't have time to go look in and resources for unfortunately and we, uh, we actually had the opportunity to interact with fish and game uh just this past fall uh when what is it every four or five years or something like that they have a, a group that suggests changes that okay. are needed for the laws and then uh, they take all these changes and then they kind of decide which of them they're going to implement or not and some of the changes would have not been good for for herpers at all and so a group of herpers got together ahead of time before the big public meeting in december they got together in november and uh, we were among the ones that got to meet with Fish and Game. There were about a dozen of us, I think. And we met at the local Fish and Game office and brought up all of our concerns about why this wouldn't be good or that wouldn't be good and could you change it to this. And I was pretty amazed at, at how cooperative they were. They didn't give us 100% of what we wanted, but they gave us probably 90% of what we wanted. It was great that they were willing to listen to us. And, and, and make suggestions and, and accept our suggestions and, and realize the problems and things that we were facing. I found these people to be great. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, we went to the general public meeting later and they followed through on everything they said. It wasn't like they were just trying to keep us happy or anything. They followed through and, and, and compromised on things. And uh, I, I, I look forward to working with them. Yeah, you can't ask for more from officials oh, than that, yeah. really. Right. Based on what people had said, I was afraid we'd go to the public meeting in December and find out they just told us what we wanted right. to do and then nothing would be changed. But they did. They said, this has changed, this has changed. And uh, so all of us who had come to that meeting ready to fight if we had to basically had to go up and say, well, 
fishing game did what we asked them to, what they said they would, and we're really happy. And the commissioners who were there said, boy, you must be a bunch of paid shills. <laughs> they, they invited each one of us up to say something, and it was like, a lot of us, you know, if it had been three months before, we would have been ready to go. Right. right. Like, you know, but it was like, well, you guys have been cooperating really well with us. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, it's a pleasure doing business with you. So uh, I, I have nothing but good vibes from Arizona oh, Fishing Game. I was pretty looking, impressed. looking forward to them. And uh, now, now, now that we've become official residents, uh, we'll be, you know, buying the local hunting licenses and fishing licenses and stuff like that. And supporting and, uh, and, 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 you know, when, when I pick up roadkill animals, I send them to the museums in Tucson or Phoenix. And, you know, I want to cooperate with them the same as I always did in Florida for almost 40 years. The one thing I wish they would do is uh, you can't you can't breed native animals, even common ones, even a gopher. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, no. I'm. You can breed them. You can give away the babies, but you couldn't breed them and sell them. There's no commercial value. Even, right. even if they were albinos or something, you hmm. can't do that. And uh, it's kind of a shame, especially on common animals. I, I think in California they have a. a captive breeding thing where you can get a license and you can breed the more common ones and things like that. I wish they would do that here. And of course in Florida it wasn't a problem or I couldn't have done corn seeds. <laughs> I think they still haven't been exposed to as many keepers and breeders and realized the potential of captive breeding. And uh, I think they still look at it like, well, we need somebody to go over there and inspect the facilities and enforce all this. And, and I, I guess they don't see things from, I've been in the business so long. I mean, it's things that seem obvious to me, they don't even believe it, period, yet, you know. So uh, the idea that virtually no one would be out here looking for some of these little montane rattlesnakes and these <laughs> mountain king snakes and things like that, if they, if they would just let the people who live here, where the climate is best for breeding those animals, supply some to the public. But well, did you think that would open up a, a unique opportunity, though, in, in relationships with these officials? What about the whole theory behind the invisible arc, you know, where there are breeders who are, are now breeding things that don't have commercial value, but are actually giving them away to other breeders who will be familiar with them? I mean, is that something that you might look forward yeah, to? That's what they do I guess, yeah, that's what they do I guess we should buy a bunch of copies of that. And you should. It's a good, it, it's, books. yeah. That was a very, very well-written piece of uh, literature. Um, and, you know, part of it is, um, at this point, you know, we're, we're both like, you know, in our early 60s here, or I'm... I'm Which I don't I'm, believe. I'm not quite, I'm, I'm not quite 59. <laughs> I'll be honest, okay. in a month or two. Wow. So, uh, but, but, so, so I'm past the stage where I kind of want to get out there and rah, 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 let's change this law, and I want to breathe this. And, and I still, I feel for the people that want to do it. I want to support those folks, and uh, I'd like to see all that happen, but it's hard to be quite as enthusiastic about it, because I'm not going to be setting up hundreds of California kings or Sonoran gopher snakes or green rat snakes or pyromanas. Sure. At this point in my life, you know, I've, I've done a lot of that. I, I, I tip my hat to the people that are still doing it. And we but, fought all that stuff in Florida and tried to get it, you know, the way we wanted it, put a lot of time and effort into it. I don't know if we want to redo all that again. It's a huge undertaking, yeah. It is. I'm, I'm happy just enjoying some of these animals, keeping a few around. If a few of them breed, that would be great, but I, I, I'm actually, I guess I'm leaning towards a lot of the herpers out here. I, I was going to say, are you making that transition, Bill, yeah, to exactly. the field? <laughs> you know, and, and, and a lot of it is it's an age-related thing. I mean, when you're young, you want to own everything. You want to catch yes. it and possess it and fondle it. And, and uh I've been there, done that. Uh, so I can enjoy this scene. I, you, you see me. I mean, the photos are what I'm into now. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, 
hunting with a camera is the way to go. Um, there, I mean, even out here, you've got some real purist people that will only take a picture of the animal in situ uh, without disturbing. No manipulation. Yeah. I don't quite go that far, uh, although I think it's great when you see those pictures. A lot of times there's their heads in a hole or there's grass in the way. and But it's it's nice. But uh, I still don't mind messing with the animals and posing them. And, and actually, the fish and game people clarified on that during this meeting. They, they made it clear that like minor manipulation of these animals is not anything they're worried about. And really, on the side, they kind of said, we don't even really worry about it with the protected stuff, but we have to stay official because you can't just have everybody thinking, okay, there's a heel monster, grab it, you know? Right, right. But uh, they have no they have no problem with this. Like I said, I think they've got a more enlightened, younger crowd of people in there now, a lot of college-educated people and biologists. So, uh, hmm. like I said, I, I thought they were great people. Um, as far as the Herper community goes here in Arizona, would you say it's a tight-knit community? Like, much what you have in Florida? Cause I, mean, I, I hate to make the comparisons to Florida, because Florida is, like, the mecca, obviously. And that's um, what we know, yeah. so we compare everything to Florida. Right, right. Yeah, it does seem a little more fragmented out here. We, people with, with diverse interests, like the field people, and people that, people have, like, there's people that are just into rattlesnakes. Mm. And people that a are lot of them. Just, just into king snakes, and uh, there's a lot of lizard keepers out here, and uh and again, the people that just want to go and see them in the wild or photograph them in the wild and keep their places hidden, and they worry about every time somebody comes out here. Uh, I know when we were first here, some people were thinking, oh, my gosh, Bill loves you. He was a reptile dealer. He's going to have all his friends out here raping and plundering, you know, the, the resources and all this. And I, hopefully these people have come to see the light, but that's not, that's not the case. I do have a lot of visitors and friends come out, and I'd love to take them out. As you should, it's stuff. gorgeous out it's here. There's so much to show off and, and see. And, and, and it's very seldom that any of my friends ever take anything back with them, you right. know? Um, Most and of when them they are do, going on a plane and, and they when don't they, take And if they say they are, I said, that's cool. And I, I asked to see their hunting license and all this, and if they want to take a gopher snake or, or something that's not protected, hey, you know. Yeah, Arizona does that. Uh, my good friend, Aton Grunwald, which I know you're familiar with, yeah. um, really introduced me to to the fauna out here. And I have to say, I, I experienced that transition myself where after seeing these animals out in the wild, it's tough to put them in a tub sometimes. Um, but do you think that the scene here will evolve more towards the exotics? I mean, perhaps at some point, fish and wildlife might be more open to that. Well, uh, you're allowed to keep non-venomous exotics here. Just okay. not, nothing, nothing, nothing venomous that's not nothing venomous. Okay. Okay. And it's not a lot right. easier than Florida. Because yeah. in Florida, not only do you have to get the license if you want to breed a corn snake or a ball python or whatever, uh, but they've gotten really draconian about trying to check to see if you bought one from somebody else and if you check to see if they had a license and, and where are your birth records and you know here if it's uh if it's exotic and it's it's not something that's forbidden like say caimans or something they don't care you know you can keep all the ball pythons or whatever and and even things like burmese pythons are not regulated here in in the state so if it's not an in uh, an invasive thing they're worried about which are very few here uh, and it's not a venomous exotic, then pretty much do whatever you want. So are we working to establish the Burmese python here? No. <laughs> 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 you know, Arizona's in the That's it's true. Like, Technically, uh, we are in that zone, that overrunning zone. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we quarter every night trying to think about them invading us and coming in the bedroom windows. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's good. What's That's really good. interesting about the people out here, though, because of the laws, the difference in Florida and not being able to sell native, even if you breed them, uh, 
I'm kind of ambivalent in a way because the people out here do have a different mindset because they've lived with this all their lives and they do breed things and they do give them away. And I mean, they really truly do this. Instead, I'm sure somebody sells them, but yeah. the people that we've met really do give them away. Uh, so if, you know, in Florida, if you breed your corn snakes or whatever, usually they're morphs and usually you sell them, you might give some away, but here it is a different mindset. And some of our Florida visitors have been kind of surprised and pleased when somebody just gave them a pyro because they wanted a pyro or somebody gave them a, a vine snake or a green rat snake because they wanted one and they had an extra one. Nice. So it is a different kind of a mindset. So on the one hand, I wish you could sell them and breed them and make morphs out of them or whatever you want. But on the other hand, it is kind of refreshing to see people just give something away that you say like a pyro that would be valuable in Florida. Yeah. And here it has no monetary value, which is good and it's bad, you know, it just right. depends. Yeah, the, the way people regard the snakes out here or the, the herps, when they reproduce them and give them to somebody, it's it's more back to that pureness, that 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 pure fascination in the reptiles. Kind of like most of us had as as little children, you know, and we want just wanted to have a pet reptile. And later the commercialism crept in. And again, I'm never I'm not gonna really ever dump on commercialism. I think it's helped a lot of good things happen in this whole industry, but uh it is kind of refreshing. Uh and uh yeah, the looks on a couple of my friends when they come out and, and friends of ours out here just gave them some of their baby rare snakes that they weren't even able to find even her hunting with me and then, then they just gave them captive red babies and said oh good luck with it you know like, that's fantastic <laughs> they, they were pretty amazed yeah so you know like anything there's good and there's bad with it so overall you're happy with the arizona move and yeah, being part of it now oh i'm yeah. so happy that we're out here uh, I did love Florida, except for the mosquitoes. Yeah. And uh, I was there since 1979 until shortly ago. And I, I loved a lot of things about it. But, you know, when you've been there that long and you're getting to the age that I am, it's really, you can get in a rut. It's time to really make a change. We had a lot of friends out here. My brother lives four miles away. Oh, nice, nice. This is the <laughs> first time in my adult life that I've ever lived within an easy drive of a relative. They've always been in different states before. Uh, so we kind of looked at this as a place that we would eventually be retiring and the downsized place that we bought would be eventually our retirement place, you know, with less expenses and that sort of thing. So, uh, what a place we, it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's gorgeous. It's been on my radar since 1974. I graduated in high school in 74, and I read Carl Kaufman's <laughs> books about herping the Ajo Road and all this. And where did I want to go? I made a beeline out here right. in 74 and in 75, and uh, and then probably 15, 20 times in between living out here. So I was very familiar with this area and loved it. And uh, But then to, to come to think about actually living here, um, it, it just, it, it's so different. There's a little like water issues. Water's a little scarcer here. <laughs> Florida, you can you can get a well in your backyard and six feet down Anywhere. the ground. Down here, it's like 600. You have water in your car when water. you're traveling in case you break yeah, down. Yeah, so, so you're careful with things like that. But once you learn to adapt and take shorter showers and all this kind of stuff, it, it's cool. I, actually, I think it's kind of invigorated us to to, to adapt to a new to climate. To think differently about yeah. things. Think differently about stuff. I, it's been interesting new challenges, but nothing that difficult. And uh, uh, 
Uh, so uh, we're very happy with it here. And we, we get as many visitors out here as we ever did in Florida. In Florida oh, we well, most of the more, I've seen it. I've been jealous like all month watching people. October more uh, during the warm season, but uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. You don't get to herp every month of the year here like you do. A friend of ours coined a term herpetovoid. <laughs> that's great. That. That's great. He, <laughs> Certain a, months of the year. He's yeah. a big field herper, and man, he just lives for it from uh, March and April on to October. The monsoons. And, yeah. and then he says, oh, herpet avoid is here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you great. know, you, you get that break. It, like a lot of northern breeders look forward to winter when they put their animals in hibernation. So right. They do you can reset. Things. Yeah. Exactly. You can reset so, uh, well, not only that, but Bill has been so crazy with the herping here during those warm months that finally when herpet avoid comes, I get to get them to do all the projects at home. <laughs> the honeydew list. Honey yeah, the honeydew list takes exactly. precedence. Time to get the work done on the house. <laughs> well, all right, all along those lines, obviously we're sitting here in, in one of your reptile keeping areas and you can see that your collection is, is defi definitely a fraction of, of what I a know the love. How, does, how do you deal with that stage of your life i think every herper more or less gets there at some point i i'm, I'm probably getting there soon when you just kind of want to scale down to stuff i mean did you welcome it is it something that you found refreshing as a transition or do you really miss all the wall-to-wall -wall snakes everywhere no really i when when the market really started going down about the time of the recession and uh, people realized that their limited money had to go to things more important to them than snakes uh they had to pay the rent i at that point, I was already kind of getting to the point where I, I still enjoyed my snakes, but it was kind of the less is more attitude. Been there, done that. And uh, I was getting a little bit tired of just the huge numbers I, I had had. Oh, since leaving Glades Herp in the mid-90s and uh, going back to doing it at home again, I had usually been producing about 1,500 baby corns a year plus... Uh, maybe another thousand kings and rats and various things like that. And every year after that, I slowly started to wind it down a little bit. I had one part-time helper for a while. And by the time the recession came, and the market had already been slowing because there was so much competition, I had been kind of thinking that it was it was time. I'm, I'm not getting any younger. It was time to kind of slow things down a little bit. And now that the market just was not there very much anymore, um, I could focus more on the kinds I like instead of, like, I have no real interest in the newest uh, morph of corn snake unless I really think it's pretty and I like it. I don't want it just because it's new. Yeah. I want it only if I really think it's pretty. Hmm. Yeah, you have an actual interest in the animals, go figure. <laughs> exactly. Before it had to be just a business interest. Right. Now, I. Uh, because it's not going to be a big part of the business anymore and we're trying to do more photography and other things uh so now something yeah it's great if it sells well when i produce it and it needs to but there's lots of things that sell that i don't find pretty and i don't really have any real interest in them gotcha unlike those amazon tree boas <laughs> oh, I, you, you, I mean you're, you're definitely I, I can see you in your element out here um doing yeah, the photography I, I basically it's being like reborn again yeah. not to make this sound religious or anything it, it <laughs> has like a religious experience coming out here though it, it's fantastic it and, and just getting out and seeing new things and even cruising down the road and seeing something squished 
like in Florida, I'd say, yeah, decay snake, ringneck snake. I just, I've seen it all jillions of times, but out here it's like, like oh, what is it? It's a night snake, it's a brown snake, it's a black-headed snake. Sometimes you have and, to look uh, twice. Oh, right. Yeah, what kind of drinking is this? Uh, what cute is that? So uh, it, it's, it's been, it's kind of like being a child again. And uh, if we all think back to when this was all new and fresh, uh, what was some of the, the highlights of our life is, is seeing that new herp and uh, learning about it and everything. So um, I kind of like, uh, I guess what I live for now is that live and learn attitude, uh, or like that expression my father used to use is live and learn. He says, some people just live, <laughs> but if you're not learning new stuff all the time, it's it with new stuff. eyes, essentially. I think even people though, who are not involved in reptiles, if they live their whole life in one place, and even if they do go on vacation, I, I think you just tend to get in a rut. And I think it's really important for most people, uh, to at some point in their lives to just go do something totally different, live in a different place. Uh, and uh, and especially if you're into any kind of nature, whether it's birds or reptiles or plants or whatever, it's even more important that that place maybe be a totally different uh, geographic and climate type thing than where you lived for the last few decades. And we need that in this digital age. People just don't venture out anymore, and people don't know what's out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just so fantastic to, to be able oh, to discover this. I feel sorry this. for the youth uh, of today. It's crazy. I had to date myself, but yeah, it's they, horrible. They've got so much information at their fingertips, literally at the keyboard and, and at the monitor in front of them. And that's exciting in a way. And I have to admit, I spend a lot of time on the net, just, just but more surfing than anything. I just... Yeah. I mean, and I spend a lot of time on Facebook, but it's probably mostly just re looking at all these interesting links and everything that my friends are showing me and bringing the world to me. But I, uh, but like what you said, I, I think that a lot of young kids are kind of cocooning at home and not really getting out in the field anymore. And part of it is, I mean, the whole the whole movement, the whole conservation movement is trying to convince everybody that everything out there is endangered now and you shouldn't go out there and you shouldn't disturb it and you shouldn't, you know, catch it and you shouldn't look at it cross-eyed. Just watch it on the animal out. planet. Just watch it on animal planet, which, you know, <laughs> presumably <laughs> you're but animal planet is the same as ours. Yeah. Like, let's get some real information out there. Yes. But uh, so anyway, so I, uh, on the other hand, uh, one of the things that I specialize in now is, is, is running eco tours. And I still, I'm still working on some new ones from Madagascar, but I'm going to be running them out here. Oh, wow. And I'm going to be taking people out, and uh, I'm, I'm still wondering how to deal with this because, on one hand, I love taking young people out and having them see the thrill and experience the thrill of finding cool animals. On the other hand, I, I think these people will be whipping out their little little iPhone thingies and you know recording the GPS and saying, "Oh, I'll come back here," you know. Yeah, it's say, tough. I wonder how to deal with that. It's like, okay, everybody leave their phone in the car or and leave, leave sacks over their heads and, and yeah, right. <laughs> pillowcases. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not going to be taking people to, to secret little places right. where the last little montane rattlesnake lives. I'm. We're going to be looking for common things and enjoying tarantulas and gopher yeah. snakes and. Uh, so, you know, it's not going to be like we have to find something super rare. Right. And even learning more about the birds and the plants and, uh, you know, just all the different plants and animals that are out here. Oh, the desert at night is just, is just crawling with life. And that's something people need to experience. The desert at night is just one of the most amazing things ever. It really makes you feel human again. Like, you know where you sit on this scale when you're out there and your senses are not, you know, what you want them to be. But everybody else has a bunch of better senses than you. And you're seeing glowing eyes and hearing things. And it's just such a fantastic experience. Uh, I really feel sorry. Like you said, feel sorry for the people who aren't getting it. You know? And what's really amazing, if people would come out here now and especially, Especially say a month from now, uh, this doesn't look like a desert. 
well, the Sonoran Desert gets more rain than a lot of deserts anyway. But uh, this time of year in March, early mm. April, it's like flowers everywhere, yellows and oranges and a little bit of blues and purples. And then uh, <clears throat> the greens are real dark yet because of the winter rains. Uh, I think most people who live up north or some non-desert area would be pretty amazed to come out here in the uh, spring yeah. and just see what it looks like. It doesn't look like they would expect. The desert. This past year, uh, the winter of, four, of uh, 2014-2015 has kind of been almost back to normal for rainfall. I think it's actually still falling a little short. But since we've been out here, they've been in generally in a drought conditions, and uh, everybody says the herps are really scarce. I seem like I've been very happy with the ones I found, but apparently this year is going to be a little better than it's been. And if the uh, if the rains continue, that that'll be a good trend. So, uh, are you hoping to launch this eco portion anytime like this year? It'll be this. It'll be this season. Ah, nice. It'll be this nice. season, and I'll probably be doing it on. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be putting the, uh, the the website up. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, mental block on my own website. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been here so long. Reptile Rally? Reptile Rally. Reptile Rally, okay. Well, yeah. Is it reptilerally.com? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah we the, had the, done that with Florida once right. before, and now it's been inactive for a long time. The, the website I have is called reptilerally.com, and right now you'll still see old information about Florida, but very soon it'll show all the wonders of Arizona and all the fun you can have coming out here, so... Uh, look for that, uh, www.reptilerally.com. Cool, we'll definitely check it out. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm totally signing up. That would be fantastic. I'd love to come back here, you know, after the rains and the stuff is more active, to, especially since you've already been here and have been able to scope out all the good spots. It'd be great. It's a fantastic Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of good spots. And uh, generally, uh, there, there seem to be two really good seasons out here. I, I mean, you can find herps even now if you want to hike out into the hills and see them looking out of their little den sites and stuff like that, just get it catching a few rays. But the, the snakes aren't generally moving far yet because it's still getting a little cool at night. Uh, but but very soon you'll be able to start seeing that towards the end of March or so. And uh, That'd be fantastic. It'd be pretty amazing. And he's going to be keeping some of the local snakes that you would normally get to see uh, for photography okay. so that if you don't get to see them in the wild, you'll still get to photograph them. Yeah, we'll certainly try to find them, but I'll, I'll have a, a nice specimen of cow king and green rat and pyromalaya uh, king snake and all, all those kind of things, and, and a lot of the local rattlesnakes too. So it's an amazing opportunity for anybody who really wants to get good photos of these animals because you won't necessarily be skunked if you know you've got a couple you can come exactly. back to and right. set up. I've got all the native rattlesnakes from Maricopa County here right now, nice. and multiple examples of them. And yeah, we can take them right out into the arroyo on my property and photograph them. We're just off there into the cactus and cholla and. Uh, I'll try to get my uh, stuff. my my tour members not stuck on the choya. Oh, yeah, that's horrible stuff. <laughs> well, it makes photographs too to show. That's the true. Yeah, pull, I survived the choya. Actually, actually uh, you know, you might want to break for a second and do a few more shots from, from different angles so yeah. you can have some other stuff. Uh, but you want to do a little toya demonstration out there? I do this every time. <laughs> I just I pull the choya and then show it and show. We'll do it. I, <laughs> I show you how to get it off my arm. I do this for everybody who comes if, by. If, I, I think if, if if you wouldn't mind, um, it would be really cool if we can get some footage and like a discussion also in your new studio. I know you're still building it up, sure. but just to kind of show people like, hey, we can come here and you can use a real studio and you know yeah. you can photograph and cool. do stuff here as and well. We should do some stuff in the house. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, I just let's do that. This is Anna Lott from the Human Centipede 2, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Oh, 
join Danny Bender's live every Friday night at 10 p.m. in his quest to bring you the very best in cult rather entertainment. From special guest appearances to Geek of the Day. Your initiative to Album Jungle Radio. All right, Jungle Junkies, there you go. That's pretty much what it is like to sit down with Bill and Kathy Love and chat with them. And of course, um, if you are a devoted Jungle Junkie, you may recognize this interview as we have posted it up on our YouTube page. So go check that out. Um, it's either Urban Jungles Radio or under Danny Mendez. Search either or on YouTube and uh, you'll see it come up and you can watch the interview as well basically all that you have heard and so much more i think there's a second there's actually three parts to this interview it was really long i spent the day with the loves it was pretty interesting andy you missed out on a good one yeah i did i did i'm disappointed i have a big disappointment in my heart but uh i think um i think the most cool the most coolest thing here my english is great um the, the coolest thing is uh bill talked about uh, doing eco trips out in arizona that's you know that's color, i got man. I got to check back with him and see how it went. Uh, he, he, it's pretty cool. I, I, you know, his interview ran really long or I would play, I have another segment. Maybe I'll play it next, next time we air. Um, I have this little segment where I just kind of recorded walking around with him. You know what? I'll end the episode with that just because um, it was basically walking around his property and he's got all these little areas set up around his property. He's got like everything from pitfall, pitfall traps. <laughs> that'd be cool. Little ball pits, um, pitfall traps, to like ground cover that he's made that's like very humidity specific, which is a big deal for the animals that live out there in the desert. You know, they're always mm-hmm. seeking out moisture. So like he has piles of, you know, carpeting that he puts out that was like hosed down. And then he has like pitfall traps um, with like little areas leading into the traps that have drip systems, like with irrigations. And, and they just keep, you know, a lot of moisture on the ground so it attracts animals, everything from, you know, really fucking beautiful centipedes that he tells me about and he showed me pictures of to, um, you know, rattlesnakes and bull snakes and all that kind of stuff. Gacy, you know, you've been very quiet. How, how have you been this evening, my friend? Oh, dear, Daniel. I've been fantastic. Just getting along famously here in friendship. <laughs> Did you did you enjoy your trek from London all the way back to Arizona this evening? Oh yes, I feel so cultured now. It's been quite an experience, almost like watching old episodes of Reading Rainbow with that charming LeVar Burton. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> Gotta love LeVar. Of course we do love LeVar. And we love you, Gacy. We love you tons. I'm glad you're here with us, man. Um, yeah, so it, it, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It, it was it was a good time with the loves, and do catch the other parts of the episode of, of the interview um, with them, and all the goodness that is the Casa de Loves, the Love Shack, baby. And, love um, Shack, there it is. Yeah, it's the Love Shack, and uh, and and check it out. And and yeah, I, I'm gonna check back with Bill on the status of his eco tours. But I imagine you know, usually the fall is the best time to go to that region, in my opinion, which is like after the monsoons and the rains. That's when everything really wakes up around the desert in Arizona. Sure, and, sure. Uh, I, I imagine what's that? No, I was gonna say I'd love to uh, love to check out uh, an eco tourism trip with uh, with Bill. 
yeah, well, hit me up, man. I'm, I'm definitely heading out there this fall. I, I think I'm going to revisit with Bill and have him show me some good stuff, have, me, have him give me the eco tour. So, yeah, if you're game, man, you guys should both consider coming and heading down. I have Absolutely, some, yeah. I would definitely give it big-time consideration. Yeah, 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 for sure. I have some fun stuff lined up in Arizona you love. Um, all right, let's, 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 let's cut this down. And uh, and we'll end it out with, with the rest of the loving interview. At least this concludes list. another episode of the world famous Urban Jungles Radio Show. We'd like to thank our sponsors and most importantly you, our jungle junkies, for tuning in this evening and supporting us in all that we do. Don't forget to tune in next Friday night for another live episode. And if you missed any of our shows, be sure to download them on iTunes for free. Be sure to like Urban Jungles Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UJ Radio. Thank you for listening to Urban Jungles Radio. Danny, did I forget anything? Yes, of course. We cannot end an episode without thanking you, our Jungle Junkies. Because without you, there is no Urban Jungles Radio. You are the wind beneath my wings, my Jungle Junkies. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for you guys. So yeah, thanks for tuning in, as always, and for listening to the show. Special thanks to the one and only Emma Locke um, for another amazing editorial on the whole fox situation going down in london right now in the uk i should say um and uh we look forward to the next time and um yeah uh of course bill and kathy thank you for your hospitality and i look forward to visiting you guys and we might drag more people along right you guys coming absolutely Oh, I certainly hope so. There we go. All right, so the loves don't know yet, but they're going to be housing um, ourselves, all three of us, Gacy and Andy, probably sleeping in one bed, guys. So just hunker down and get ready for a hell of a night. That's fine, man. That's fine. I'll sleep above the covers. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Gacy, you got to, like, flip around, man. I don't want to sleep next to your feet, but, you know, parts can't line up. (laughs) promise they're clean (laughs) (laughs) anyway on that note i'm going to let you gentlemen go on with your evening and uh thank you guys for hanging out and i'm gonna go out with this little snippet i think it's just cool um and uh it's it's some fun stuff walking around bill loves property with him and him showing us all the cool little stuff that he set up around the area and the audio is probably gonna be shit because i was walking around in the desert with the guy so just cut me some slack i'm doing the best i can it's every jungles radio god damn it be happy and love it (laughs) (laughs) all right so here's uh bill loved and thank you guys uh we'll catch you say good evening gentlemen latest Bye. What can I ask for? I went out and set over a hundred sets like that of multiple layers nice. of, of a carpet and boards and things. You GPS them, I hope. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, but I made, I made great detail. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I, I always tend to lose mine. And there's so many spots I set up in the barrens and I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made, I made paper maps. Stuff, uh, nice. Paper maps? Here's another little project I've done. Uh, I've, got it, I've got it out of operation right now. 
but this is basically exactly like a drift fence, the back of this building. Oh, okay. So when an animal crawls up and hits this, basically it's got to go one way or the other. And what I have is a pitfall trap on each end. Oh, but I've got it covered right now because I don't want animals to fall in here when I'm not checking it every day. Right. So basically it's just got some old dry mud and there are holes in the bottom. So if water gets in there, it will drain out. Okay. So I've got them covered now because at this time of year, you're not really seeing much movement. And so normally I just have this thing on top and, and it shades it. And the animals crawl under there and like little geckos and lizards mostly fall in or small snakes. And then I put all this stuff along the back here. I've got a, a watering system with little holes in it. And I run the hose in here in the summer when it gets really dry, ah. it gets it keeps it moist. Huh. Because moisture is a big attractant. Right. I mean, you know, anim animals run out of moisture and uh, they shrivel up. So uh, we've got some things back here. Again, I've got spacers under it. You see, there's quite nice. a few bugs and things under yeah. there. Yeah, the summer centipedes moving. and everything else. Oh, nice! So, uh, fantastic. So I've got it all along here, and uh, oh, so in the middle, I have a funnel track. It's got two ends on it, and I kind of tuck it behind these posts, and I put a shade board over top. So when something's crawling along a bigger snake or something will go fall in the funnel, just like a big minnow trap. Ah, gotcha. But again, I don't want to have it set when I'm not checking it. Right. I don't want animals to be suffering in there. Here's another one of my piles of stuff here. Uh, and another one oh, of the, the another one of the uh, bucket traps on the other end here, basically. Gotcha. And another one of these uh, these pitfalls. There oh, nice. Over, over here, and here's the entrance to it right here. So uh, anyway. Oh yeah, the sound effects. I see his tail there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we see. I see desert iguanas here. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I got a little trail that goes right down over there, and you get down into this arroyo, and it's a great place. Uh, actually, when my visitors come, we often take a walk up the arroyo. Because I've got stuff set along the arroyo there, and we could take it down. It's a great place to photograph animals against the banks, too. Nice. So I've taken lots and lots of the photos. The suaros, it's very scenic. Yeah, so it's an easy place to get down there that's unlike what I showed you before. <laughs> okay. Imagine more roundups, educational like Georgia. Urban Jungles is coming, doing more than just record ya. Sweet water 5000 is just around the corner. Good or bad, realize that we're still coming for you. It's Urban Jungles here. We jam in parodies and make you dance like this one here. So go and grab a Coke and pour some Jack or drink some beer. Listen to Danny trying hard not to curse on air. Trying not to curse on air. It's Urban Jungles. Urban Jungle Style Urban Jungle Style Urban Jungle Style Urban Jungle Style
Raising up the interwebs every week around the globe So tune in every Friday cause it's time for you to know Danny and Andy playing pranks and making calls Talking about what's hot and dissing on your ball The Beast Master's here Ready on the mic, keeping it tight cause my wingman's here Ready for the fight, talking all night, rocking you JR gear Cause when we walk into the joint, we do some damage here Yeah, and that will laugh on air Urban jungle style. Urban jungle style. Urban jungle style. Urban jungle style. Hey, sneaky lady. Rhino horns, Korean singing songs, baby, baby with UJR, you're never bored. Rhino horns, Korean singing songs, baby, baby with UJR, you're never bored. All right, so um, I lied. I didn't go away. I'm still here. I missed you guys. <laughs> I um, yeah. I don't know. I we got a couple minutes left in the feed, right? We got time left in the live feed because I put in like an extra long feed. I don't know. I feel bad. I feel bad that the beginning of the episode was screwed up. So. I'm just going to hang with you. I'm going to play some Urban Jungles radio songs. If you're listening to the podcast and you don't want to hear any more songs, then just end the podcast. Move on. Move on to another episode of Urban Jungles. Visit our plethora, our plethora of episodes that are available out there. And, um, you know, you won't miss out much because I'm just going to chill out and and hang out, listen to music. If you like hanging out with me, if you like hanging out with me and and you like hanging out with with Gacy as well, right, Gacy? you don't mind putting in some overtime this week? Oh, not at all. Guess let me ask you something, man. You, you 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 popped on the scene, you know, once we we released the hounds and we, we put you out there. You you were thrust in into the, the publicity, into the public world and, and you handled it very well. At least I thought you handled it very well. I'm very proud of you. And um oh, thank you. Would you say Urban Jungles Radio has affected your life in a positive way? Oh, yes. It makes me feel like I am working for the good of the colony, if you will, or the better good in general, the big picture. You see, Casey, and that's what we want people to smell. That's what we want them to know, that we are out there working for the greater good, the greater good of, of, of things that really could make a positive influence on the world in, in, with minimal effort in the biggest way, such as, as, as our sister program, 
our our sister, I don't even know what the hell they call it, but but Operation Pussy Lockdown. Look it up. Look it up on Facebook. Look up Operation Pussy Lockdown and, and check out our page, which is dedicated to the sole purpose of raising awareness about keeping your cats indoors. If you keep your cats indoors, you will change the world. You can make it a better place. And and what better way to to get that point across than than through song, Gacy. Can you think of a way? Oh, I don't know. Simple jingles and rhymes help. Like <laughs> nobody likes a loose one except a nervous furthest. <laughs> don't <laughs> No, I see. I firmly believe it's either nudity and body paint or this. Hey. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath, talking about feral cats and internet. So I sat quietly, agreed politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. Wildlife, it needs a worldwide voice. I have a microphone. Not leaving this alone. You let them out and they kill birds. Already brushing off my words. No litter box shitting all about. Toxoplasmosis infects the ground. No TNR get hit by cars. Responsible as you think you are. Keep them indoors. No wildlife wars. Sing along, don't you eat. think that you are a tiger, a hunter, squished by a tire? Help. Killing off all our wildlife. Ooh. You don't care, he has to go out at night. New Zealand's my hero. Go and Cause their tolerance is zero. And the let them out and they kill birds. <laughs> Already brushing off my words. No litter box shitting all around. Toxoplasmosis infects the ground. No TNR, you can hit by cars. Responsible, you think you are. Keep them indoors. No wildlife force. You think that you own a tiger, a hunter, squished by a tire. Help protect wildlife, so please keep your cat in Running your cat's not a lion, it's as domestic, so please keep your cat in Your cat's not a lion, it is domestic. 
Beastmaster, when we can not only deliver an educational program, but also just kick ass songs like that one. That was fun. That was a good one. And uh, I'm just going to keep rolling. I'm going to do one more, and then I promise I'm going to end the show. I just, I, I'm enjoying the airtime. Let me have my moment, people. Just just deal with it and, and love it and love the music. And it's okay. You can embrace it. No one will think less of you. You like this one. Come on, you know you do. Sing it. Pump it up. Lower the windows. It's summertime. Let the beat kick in. Do the head nod. Right? And just sing it. Sing it loud. Sing it loud and proud. Be a jungle junkie. All the way. I'm going to sing it with you. Let's sing it together. You and me, okay? Here we go. This is what your thompson takes, urban jungle's gonna rock it. I'm the best to make a beast faster, this is freaking awesome. Walk up in the show, I'm like, what up, I got a big crock. Yeah, I'm just pumped, I bought some shit up at the pet shop. Ectothermic and so damn frosty, the people like, that's a cold ass honky. Rolling in hella deep, heading to the mezzanine, drinking UJ all gear, monitors disagree. Everybody's looking up my aviators on the scene, probably shouldn't buy that sneak, although it doesn't look Yes. But shit, it was only 99 bucks. Popping in quarantine, come out clean at a list of green. Passing up on water moccasins, Andy just walking in. Looking for something cool while walking around the shop. Got a trio with tarantulas, sexing produce vacuums. Now I want a crocodile. Yeah, I want a crocodile. No, really, call from Kirkfield. I want a kid. Yo, Tommy. Rockadactylists are giant geckos. I want some venomous I found the shirts at Possum. I bought some shirts at Possum. They hang out in my pocket and of course they're freaking awesome. Hello, hello. My wingman is mellow. Conservation warriors, they back it down. Hello. Showed up at the round of bones, arrested by some purple. Zombie chief, you right away. You're Urban Jungle's ready. This is what you pop some tags. Urban Jungle's gonna rock it. I from past to left, up his master. This is freaking awesome. Sing it. What you know about killing the end is just beginning. All the while humans just keep on sinning. I'm digging, researching these topics aren't funny. Uh-uh. Like rattlesnakes round up so they care about his money. Making junkies for listening and making a big difference. Don't mind fighting, rednecks from the Mavericks. Especially, possibly, if it makes a difference. I'm the, I'm the beast master, but I sing a record. Your grandma, your auntie, your mama, your mammy Your stories about pythons in Miami But you won't buy it like other suckers Newspapers lie to sell to other suckers I hit the pet shop and they stop in the motherfucker To be like, oh, that banana ball is so tight I'm like 15k for a ball python No more importation, do some simple addition Get something better than a ball and just breathe it I call that getting tricked by a business Forget it, you're not starting up a business This thing is hella though But paying lots of money for a ball python is definitely yeah. Yeah. Snakes, come take a look through my telescope rock UJR, cause we know that you're hella dope I remember, I'm 
That's right. I look incredible. Damn straight. I'm in these big ass shades with a snake hook that's custom made. Legal. I wear a jungle's clothes. That's right. I look incredible. Straight. I'm in these big ass shades with a snake hook that's custom made. Jungle's gonna rock it. I'm up for custom like a beastmaster. This is freaking awesome. God, that was a good one. I fucking love that song. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that was that was. We got to get back to making some more of this music. Anyway, thanks again. This is the end of the show. I promise. I'm done. Last song, and I'm not coming back after that. So, um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Andy. Thanks to Casey. Thanks to Emma. Thanks to Bill and Kathy. We love you guys. You're awesome. Te quiero mucho. Tú sabes quién tú eres. Urban jungles, Friday nights. Love this beat. Let's get it. Let's get it. He's doing live shows on what he knows. Go to Urban Jungles Radio and listen as the legend grows. Danny Mendez, the host of UJR. Urban job is animals and he's a reptile star. Jungle's good at what he does. He's the best by far. A herpetologist at such a young age. Spitting knowledge like a venomous cobra in rage. Known in the snake world as a reptile god. on his feet like a tetrapod. Bringing down the forest like a tropical rain listen to the show because there's much to gain compared to mendez the rest are lame if you have any questions you know what to do just pick up the phone and you can talk to the host a diamond back in the rough fans wanting more because an hour just isn't enough there's many in this field that do what he does but out of all of them no one is above hot snakes hot snakes rattle bones like earthquakes doing live shows on what he knows, go to Urban Jumpers Radio and listen as the legend grows. It's a legend, his legend grows. Yeah, legend grows. We growing. <laughs> you know I can't keep quiet, right? Yeah, I gotta do a little something, something. Yeah. Urban jungles rhythms keep you guessing on what's coming. I got those tightest lyrics with the hooks to keep you humming. People listen for the first time, never know what to expect. But they leave with understanding and some new fun respect. For my lyrics, when I kick it, take it for a ride like you want to take it. Insane in the memory. Cause I paid extra for some snakes on a plane. And something tells me that you would do the same. That's why you're here, you follow your nose. That's right. It's been a year, but your awesomeness grows. You can't forget the name of the show. Urban Jungles Radio Live shows on what he knows. Go to Urban Jungles Radio and listen as the legend grows. His legend grows. It's Chris Willow laying down musical tracks for Urban Jungles. So tune in and get it done. Let's do it.
is Chris Perillo. That was corny, right? I can see it in your face. 